All right, well, let's go dive into the word of God. My assignment for this hour is Habakkuk, and we're going to chapter 2, chapter 2. And I must admit, um, as I was preparing this sermon, I had to go to the Bible app, to the New Living Translation, and listen to the guy that reads the scriptures to make sure that I pronounce this name correctly. And I know that I'm probably going to butcher it several times during this message, so please forgive me. And I hope that the man who reads on the New Living Translation on the Bible app is correct, or else I'm in trouble. All right? But let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. If you got it, say, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting, I'm assuming that you guys got it there at the house, but let's read it. It says, I will stand watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Mm. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Somebody say, write the vision. Talk to somebody there at your house. Yell, write the vision, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. Come on, somebody. It will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. I want to speak to you guys for a few moments from the subject matter, write what you see. Write what you see. I trust that during this time of quarantine and during this time of this pandemic, that the Lord has been speaking to you, that he's been revealing things to you. I know this is true because I've talked to a lot of you over the phone, some of our church members, and I'm so thankful to have those conversations and those interactions so that we can get a pulse on how you're doing. But I have talked to several people that have told me that during this time, they've been able to save. I've heard other people say they've been able to have meaningful conversations with their spouse. They've been able to have meaningful conversation with their children, while others have been experiencing immense difficulty during this time. Maybe things were dormant, maybe things were under the rug, but during this time, things have come up. Things that were beneath the surface have risen, and there's difficulties that have come as a result of that. But I want to challenge you that there is a vision that God is birthing on the inside of you. He is giving you sight to see something that is yet to pass, because as believers, we are called to call those things that be not as though they were. And I want you to hold on to that vision, and I want you to hold on to that promise, because no matter what it looks like, no matter what the situation is that stands in front of you, you will come out victorious. Amen. So let's pray and let's go on and dive into this. Father, we love you. We thank you that the flower fades, the grass withers, but your word shall stand forever. I confess to everyone that's watching, I cannot and will not do this without you. I need you. I need your Holy Spirit to speak through me and use me as your servant. And I pray, Father, that as we hear your word, that we would walk away changed and that you would move in a mighty way in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you are thankful to God? Amen. Well, as we dive into this word I want to first of all start off by saying that whenever I've read this scripture or whenever I've heard it in a sermon, it's almost one of those scriptures that's oftentimes referenced, not necessarily a main text, 
but always a text that's referenced and oftentimes it's read and then you kind of move away from it. And up until this point, I have never taken the time to do an in-depth study of the prophet Habakkuk. And it's so powerful. There's so many nuggets. There's so many correlations to what we're experiencing in these times that will minister to you through these scriptures. And so if you'll bear with me for just a few moments, I want to take some time to get some context for this scripture. First off, the first thing that I want to bring up is that Habakkuk was a prophet and he was a mighty prophet, but he was different than many of the other prophets in the Bible, like Isaiah, um, like Jeremiah. When Habakkuk received this vision of the Lord, he was commanded to write it and not speak it first, which was unusual. But another thing that was interesting about this prophet was that he questioned God. He questioned some of the things that were happening in the land at that time. So you have to understand that the Israelites, through their own disobedience to the Lord, through their worship of idols and not worshiping the one true God, they fell into transgression. And as a result, the Lord allowed foreign nations who were opposed to God to inflict them, to force them into slavery so that they would eventually turn their hearts over to the Lord and repent. But see, Habakkuk, he noticed all of this and he questioned God and he said, Lord, why is it that you are bringing such calamity upon your people and using a foreign nation that is not even attached to you, not even submitted to you, you're using this nation to bring about judgment and repentance amongst your people. Now, with this said, I have to lay something down. You have to understand that this is the Old Testament, that they were under an old covenant that we have a better covenant in the New Testament. And whenever we look at the Old Testament, we have to understand that Jesus had not yet come to the earth and Jesus did not die on the cross just yet. How do I know this? Because even in the book of Job, I believe it's Job chapter nine, where Job says, if only I had a mediator, come on somebody, if only I had somebody that could go between me and the Lord that could plead my case. But you got to understand in Timothy, Paul tells him, he says, you have a mediator, between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen in this place. We have a mediator. We have somebody that intercedes for us. We have the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, that comforts us in all of our distress. So we have a better covenant. So even as I talk about this Old Testament scripture, please keep that in mind that we have an advocate for us in the New Testament. And it's not like the Old Testament where the Spirit would come upon a person and then leave. Ephesians tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise and we haven't expected in. But anyway, one of the things that the Israelites were experiencing was bondage, injustice, cruel punishment. And Habakkuk was, he was burdened by what he was seeing his nation go through. And what's interesting is, the children of Israel had so much hope. Some of you might remember in 2 Kings chapter 22, there was a king by the name of Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, letting all my young people and everyone out there watching, you are never too young to serve the Lord. Because this young man was eight years old when he became king and he brought a spiritual reformation to a land that was destitute of the truth, that was uh, uh, shrinking uh, beneath their inheritance. He brought such a conviction, but unfortunately he died. 
And after he died, it wasn't long before the children of Israel reverted back to their old ways. Even before this scripture that we're reading, if you look a couple of books before, you will find the book of Jonah. And Jonah was also a prophet of the Lord who went to the people of Nineveh and told them to repent. And this was a nation uh, that was not the Israelites, but this was Nineveh. And he told them to repent. And, re- and if you recall, Jonah was upset. He was mad. Why is it that you're extending your mercy to those who are not the Israelites? Unfortunately, even though they repented and even though God taught Jonah something and it was powerful, that's an, another message for another time. Even they reverted back to their old ways. But watch this. The first point that I want to make up as we look at this particular scripture and the burden that this prophet of the Lord had is this. Point number one is God is not intimidated by your questions. Let me say that again. God is not intimidated by your questions. I would venture to say that some of you that are watching have questioned God about certain things that have happened in your life over the last four or three months. You've questioned, Lord, why did this happen? Why am I going through this? Why have I lost my job? Why are there injustices that are happening all over the world? Where are you, God? Why is it that I lost my loved one? Why is it that um, I'm feeling this way? I'm struggling with this anxiety. I'm struggling with this depression. Why is it that there's conflict that has arisen within our marriage? God, why? And I want to challenge you that you're not alone. Because here you have a prophet of the Lord that was questioning God. But I want you to understand something. Even though he was questioning God, he had a posture of submission. His heart was right before the Lord. He had a relationship with God. And this is very important because there is a dialogue that's supposed to happen between you and God. But you have to ask yourself, am I in covenant with him? Do I have a relationship with him? You know, what's interesting is the audacity of a question derives from a relationship. You know, I think about Old Testament saints who also brought questions before the Lord, some of which were Abraham. Many of you might remember when God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, how shall I do this and not consult my servant because Abraham had a relationship with God. Some of you might remember Moses when he was on the mountain for 40 days and he was receiving the commandments and receiving the blueprint of how to build a tabernacle on the earth. He received a revelation from God on the mountain, but yet his brother Aaron was leading the people into idolatry in a worship of a calf. And God said, you need to get down from here for I am about to destroy my people. And some of you might remember, but Moses said, Lord, what will the other nations say about you if you brought them out only to destroy them? And the Bible says that God relented from what he was going to do. I don't believe that God changed his mind. I believe that he was causing a spirit of intercession to rise up in Moses, but that's a message for another time. But I also think about David. The Psalms are filled with David crying out to the Lord, asking uh, to get vengeance on his enemy, asking for God to vindicate him. We also look at Job, which I referenced earlier. We look at Asaph in Psalm 73. He looked upon those who were wicked, those who were not serving the Lord, and yet it seemed like they were prospering. It seemed like they were blessed, like they had no pangs in their death. And God spoke to him when he went into the sanctuary. God spoke to him when he went into the house of God and his whole paradigm shifted in that moment. I'm also reminded of Jonah. And finally, we come to the prophet that we're talking about today and his burden that he had for the Lord. You know what? If you look at 
the scripture in Habakkuk 2.1. Listen to what this says. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and I will answer when I am corrected. You know what's powerful is even when he was questioning God, he knew that he was going to be corrected. He knew that God was going to bring forth the revelation that he needed to hear. And he went on and put it out there, Lord, go on and correct me because I know that I'm finite. I know that your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I know that you able, you were able to see the ending from the beginning. I know that you are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. So I sit here and wait confidently because I know you're going to answer and I know you're going to correct me. And this is the thing, when we bring our questions before the Lord, do we take the time to wait on his answer? Because may I submit to you, as he said in the scripture, you need to wait on the Lord because what you have spoken before him, what you have asked, he is faithful to do it in his timing. And don't relegate God to one mode of communication because he can speak to us through nature He can speak to us through a small, still voice. He can speak to us through his word. He can speak to us through somebody else. He can speak to us through anything. If he can speak through a donkey, he can speak to speak through any means. Are you with me? Some answers come immediately while others take time. However, what remained constant was the anticipation that the Lord would answer in his own timing. The second thing that I've observed as I looked at this prophet is, do you have eyes to see that the Lord is working? Look at your neighbor and say, do you have eyes? Look look at your wife, look at your husband, look at your kids, your grandmother, look at the dog and say, do you have eyes to see that the Lord is working? What caused Habakkuk to wait patiently on the Lord to answer was because of his promise. And this is the promise that he gave. And I love this scripture. Listen to what this says. In one five, he declares, look among the nations and watch. This is a word for this hour. This is a word for this generation, for anyone watching. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe though it were told you. See, you got to understand that I believe that God is birthing something on the inside of you. God has given you a vision of the marriage that he has designed for you. God has given you a vision of the children that God has called you to raise up. God has given you a vision of your career. There are strides and moments that you've had during this quarantine where God has spoken to you and you've had an understanding that even though I am experiencing immense trouble and calamity, I know that God is working beneath the surface. I know that he is for me and not against me. You know, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I believe it's verse uh, 16. There it says, therefore, do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Come on, somebody. Our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceedingly and an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you receiving the word? And I believe that God has given you visions 
that you got to hold on to. I realize that we are on the cusp of going back to normal if there is such a thing. We're on the cusp of opening up the state here in, here in Connecticut. We opened up the first phase this past Wednesday. I realize that we are on the cusp, but you cannot forget the vision that God has revealed to you in your moment of quarantine and your moment of isolation. Do you have eyes to see that the Lord is working? The next thing that I see, what, write what you see. Write what you see. It's not enough just to see the vision because that could be easily forgotten because of our flesh. But we are commanded to write the vision just like Habakkuk was commanded to write everything that he saw. And the reason why he was commanded to write it was so that people could have faith so that people could run confidently even in moments of doubt and uncertainty because they were grounded in what the truth of God's promise was. Are you guys with me? They were grounded. Write what you see. The command of the Lord to write the vision is unusual since with other prophets, they would, they would speak them first, but he was commanded to write them. And watch this. He was commanded to write them on tablets meaning that this was not a small vision, but this is something that God wanted to birth, not only on the inside of him, but that it would be a domino effect for anyone that would come after him that posed the same questions. They would have an assurance. The term vision is related to the verb saw. As we learned in Habakkuk 1, the burden that the prophet Habakkuk saw, like I told you guys that I'll butcher his name. You see, a vision is a picture or a revelation of the Lord bringing something to fruition. I reiterated that earlier, or we talked about that earlier, and I want to reiterate it now. It is a picture of the Lord bringing something to fruition. For the Israelites and Habakkuk, the current climate would not remain the same forever. And let me tell you something. The situation that you're in right now will not remain forever. And I want to pray comfort. We've prayed comfort and strength over all of you, especially those of you that have experienced immense difficulty through the loss of a loved one, through the loss of your job and stuff going on in your home. We pray comfort and peace over you. But may I tell you, though pain may endure for a nighttime, joy comes in the morning and God will be your strength. He will be your strength. Are you with me? He will right every wrong. He wanted to challenge Habakkuk. Yes, I know that you're questioning me. I know that you see the injustice. I know that you see the wickedness and you see this wicked nation being used. But may I tell you something? This is not the end. You will not be in this predicament forever. I'm reminded of Jeremiah where he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope in a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, do you realize the same type of situation was present in that scripture? They were in bondage because of their sins, but yet God said that he was going to bring them out of it. He was going to bring them out. This is what I want you to do for all of you that are watching. Habakkuk was called to write what he saw so other people of God Asking the same questions would have an assurance. Write what you see God doing in your relationship with him. Man, I've heard so many stories of people fasting, people drawing closer to the Lord and yearning for him, having this passion and this zeal. Don't lose that when things go back to normal. Write what you see God doing in your marriage. Maybe when you guys were working and out and about, the communication was very scarce. 
the times of prayer that you would have together was few and far between, but God is calling you to come back to your foundation. What was it that drew you to her? What was it that drew you to him? May that love be kindled. And even if you feel it is lost, God can bring it back. Amen. Write what you see God doing with your kids. Maybe some of your kids have taken it upon themselves to delete Instagram and social media and TikTok and and Snapchat because they want to get alone with God. May I challenge you to write what you see your kids doing so that they will remember this time and continue in that. Write what you see the Lord doing in your career. Some of you are pivoting and deciding to go a different direction. I talked to somebody who said in unemployment, they're making more money than they are when they were employed. And God has given them a vision of what they can become. May I challenge you to write what you see the Lord doing in your heart and move in the direction that he's called you to. The same with your finances, the same with your health. And most importantly, write what you see the Lord doing and helping you become the one so that he can bring you the one. Maybe you're single and maybe this is a time of pruning and development that God's been doing on the inside of you. Don't seek for the one until God works on you becoming the one and he'll bring them to you. You can count on it. Last but not least, and I'll bring this in for a close. Habakkuk closes with the declaration of faith that I want to read to you. And this ought to be our declaration in our homes. No matter what happens, no matter what is to come in the future, he says in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, And the field yields no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. I didn't understand what that meant, but literally he would make our feet like deer's feet meant that this deer would have the ability to go up a mountain and they would be sturdy and secure. That's the same kind of footing that God will give you, the same kind of foundation. So don't give up. Don't let go of that fight, that grit, that tenacity that's on the inside of you. Allow God to use you. Allow God to you. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels to the chief musician with my string instrument, with my string instruments, which indicates to me that it's possible that Habakkuk was also a worship leader. And so as we go into a time of worship and as we close this service, I want to challenge you to write what you see, write what the Lord has revealed right in front of you. Don't worry about how it's going to be paid for. Don't worry about whether or not the person's going to change. You make the first step in making the change and watch them change. I can't tell you over the, over the years, and I have to bless my wife because there's been times in my life, even in our marriage, where I've lost my focus, where I wasn't being the man of the house as I should be, a, a, a man of God, and it was her conviction, her study of the word, her devotion unto the Lord with no words that convicted me. Don't despise the ability that God has given you. Young person, you have that same power. But none of this will be accomplished without knowing the Lord. See, you got to understand, for those of you that have never given your life to Jesus, that when you give your life to the Lord, the trajectory of your life has changed. Your sins are forgiven. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and you are called to live a life based on your position. If that's you and you would say, Pastor Brandon, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've fallen short 
of the righteous commandments of God outlined in Exodus 20, the commandments of God are falling short and I need a savior. If that's you and the Lord's plugging, he's, 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 he's grabbing your heart, calling you to come home, say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and become my Lord and my savior. I recognize that I cannot do this without you. Lord, there is nothing that I desire more than you. And I know that I need you now. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. I believe that you died and that you rose again so that I can experience life. I place my faith and trust in you now, in Jesus' name. If you've said that prayer, we are so excited. We want to celebrate with you. Make sure to let us know, correspond, whether it be on Facebook, on Instagram, or if you're watching online, let us know that you gave your life to Christ and we'll give you some next steps and help you grow. Thanks so much for watching, but don't just stop there. Click the Watch Live button in the description below to join us for Faith Church Online every Sunday morning. And while you're there, you can set a reminder to come back Sundays at 9 and 11. If you'd also like to learn more about getting involved here at Faith Church, you can click the Connect button. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so that you don't miss a single video and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you again for watching. And as always, remember, with Jesus, you are destined to win.